Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to make your next move into reality. Not to mention, with Squarespace's beautifully designed templates and customizable features, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. Simply add and arrange your content with the click of a mouse. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter the offer code PROOPS, P-R-O-O-P-S, to get 10% off your first purchase. Hooray, hurrah. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proopcast, takes to the ether. This time, from Jackson, Mississippi. Jennifer and I took a trip down to Jackson, Mississippi with the Lady Parts Justice League and the Magical Mystery Tour comedy show to come down to the Jackson's Women Health Organization. The last independent, not allied with Planned Parenthood or any other organization, the last independent clinic providing um, abortions here in the state of Mississippi. The only one in an entire state that does this service for women. There are a lot of brave women who work there and several men as well at the Jackson's Women Health Organization. You'll hear from Shannon Brewer, has been the director for the last 17 years. You'll hear from uh, people who are clinic escorts here. And you'll also hear um, from the people who protest outside, um, who we call aunties because they are anti-choice. We try to uh, let you hear from everyone. Uh, in this episode and interview everyone who's doing this. Liz Winstead, Helen Hong, uh, Joyelle Johnson, Ian Harvey, and I uh, did a comedy show. But the first day, we came to the clinic and uh, served as clinic escorts. And they also provide other services uh, at the clinic, such as helping uh, uh, shape up around the area and and basically just show love and support uh, for the people who run these clinics. Um, the Vagical Mystery Tour has been going all across the country with a, dis- a dazzling variety of different comics uh, helping at these different clinics. And just to show up and show them any kind of love and support uh, really means the world to them. So if you'd like to make a donation and uh, help keep women safe and healthy, uh, you can go to the Lady Parts Justice League website, or you can go to the Jackson's Women Health Organization website, or their Facebook page. Thanks for listening this week. I hope you appreciate what an important issue it is, uh, keeping women's health uh, available and safe. Need to repent? Yes, you! You need to repent, sir. You need to repent. What you're doing, what you support is a crime, sir. What you're doing is shameful. Is that that whose line is it anyway, guy? It is. Oh, there we go. There's the wicked pervert. You need to repent, man. Your fame's gonna get you nowhere. Oh, you can use your fame and celebrity uh, this to go against the will of God all you want. But God is not going to see you as a celebrity. He's going to see you as a footstool. He's going to put his feet upon you, sir. He's going to stand upon you, sir, as you're thrown into hell. Sir, you need to repent of your sin. You've been warned. I'm sure you've been warned before. Oh, but what you support is wicked. Shame on you. Your celebrity status isn't going to keep you from hell. Your money is not going to keep you from hell. Oh, shame, shame, shame. Well, there you have it. I'm a pervert on whose line is it anyway, and I'm a pervert here. It's good to know that I'm... Good to know. You got you have a fan you got recognized. I know. <laughs> One quick note uh, before we do our interview with the antis, Keith and Levi. You need to know that um, 
they use a bullhorn and scream at the women constantly um, from the bushes just outside the clinic. He doesn't have um, regular no conversations. Justice in what you're doing. If you claim to be Wonder Woman, there's no justice. In there is justice in what I do because it gives it's women the injustice. right to choose. Mm-hmm. You believe your life is more valuable than other people. No, you're putting words That's in my mouth. That's the same thing in slavery. That was the same thing. Oh, you guys love bringing up slavery. It's so I do, horrible. I do, because you're a hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're a hypocrite. Thank you. That's what you are. I appreciate it. Against slavery. Well, uh, I assume you support killing children too, right? I support a woman's right to choose what she wants to do with her own body. The children are dying because of your choice. What about the women that are dying because of illegal abortions? Uh, I don't know of any. Well, then yeah, you're being ignorant in that no, that's regard. Just, that's just a lie that was told. Oh, I see, I see. killing children. Ah, so you know the truth. A real mother else would, would be willing truth. to give her life for her child. I see. And a good doctor would say, I'm going to save both. What I'm if you were a woman and die. you were quite I'll poor? I'll try to save both. What if you're a woman and you were quite poor and couldn't well, afford it? I'm not a woman, man, so it's not, I can't. I, that's I'm not so you can't. Valid point, sir. Well, woman, but, but I do know what the Bible says. Bro. I see. What, what about people that don't follow the Bible? In America, so in America, um, if you are out of the whole entire world, if you can find two dollars and you can have a, a pair of shoes, you're richer than fifty percent of the whole world. Uh-huh. We have a lot in America. We have an opportunity. Everybody has an opportunity to to be able to to provide for themselves. Everybody has an opportunity. What about people with no money? Well, they have an opportunity. I've been, I've, I've lived in a car, sir, uh-huh. and I have my own business now. Peep, anybody, anybody has an opportunity to be able to make something of themselves. You see it all throughout history. There's no excuses for someone's some, laziness. Some people don't actually have an opportunity. Everyone has an opportunity in America, well, sir. Some people are quite poor. Yes, I understand. I've been there. Uh-huh. So why should the quite poor suffer because you believe something different than they believe? I didn't say I didn't say that they should suffer. Yes. I said that everybody has an opportunity. Mm. You're telling me that having a child is suffering? No, like, I'm telling yeah. you that. Uh, oh no, but yeah. See the inconsistency of the pro-choice well, stance. I'm a woman. Yes, also and two different people. Yeah, two <laughs> different opinions. I'm not certain how uh, uh, having a child qualifies you to. Uh, uh, it, 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 again, if, if you were a woman and you didn't need another child and you had several already, wouldn't you want the option to do what you wanted to? No, not to murder my well, child. Well, you, but you enjoy physical autonomy as a man. No one tells you what to do with your spermatozoa. Well, uh, actually, we do have laws to where we're not supposed to kill ourselves. We actually Certainly. do have laws to where we uh, where we shouldn't be able to kill ourselves. Most of us would probably fight to stand against suicide. So none of uh, none of you guys really believe in bodily autonomy. Uh, if you really believed in bodily autonomy, you would support suicide. You would support uh, anybody wanting to uh, cut their head off in public. Uh, that we don't, we don't. None of you really support bodily autonomy. Well, are, are you uh, pro death penalty as well? Oh, absolutely. Well, then, how do you reconcile? So I'm a Christian. The, the murder of people by the state. That's not murder. First of all, that's not murder. It, it's the state sanctioning murder. Okay, so here, here's what it is the the Bible. Of course, we're Christians, so we believe what the Bible says. Whenever there has been shedding of innocent blood. The Bible's very clear. Even even animals who shed the blood of man. Because God sees each person with such value. They see each person with such value. When that is mocked, he comes against that. And he sanctions government. 
He set up the death penalty in Genesis. He set it up very clear. Yes, but then later, uh, I believe his son it was, uh, said that we were to turn the other cheek and, and love, love thine enemies as we love ourselves. Does the New Testament not count for anything? Oh, okay, so if someone, so if someone slaps me, okay, vengeance is the Lord's, and vengeance, God set up the government. God expects the government to establish justice. Jesus, uh, Jude talks about yeah, establishing justice. Jude established, Jude, in the book of Jude, it talks about justice. Justice is, uh, it, this has nothing to do with turning the other cheek. We're talking about murder. You tell me somebody murdered your best friend right here, you just be, let him go. Oh, not at all. I'm exactly. just saying that the death penalty is uh, the state allowing uh, its, its uh, system to... Is, is the state flawed? Absolutely. I believe that the state is, it will, will always be flawed until Christ's return. For instance, however, the death penalty is not meted out uh, in any judicious manner either because the majority of people who receive the death penalty don't have the money to pay for the legal recourse to go through the... <laughs> yes. For instance, you don't see rich people often executed. Once again, the, the state is flawed. I agree sure. with you. But it doesn't mean that we shouldn't establish justice. If the state is flawed, then, and, and if we use the logic that, that justice and law should not be brought because people in the government are corrupt, then we should have no law whatsoever. We still believe in law. Law, law is very valuable. Law is needed, even if the people who well, bring it are Are you corrupt. aware that the law uh, it, it prescribes that women do have the right to have an abortion? Uh, the federal, the federal government, yes, the judicial right. system, uh, which uh, courts do not make laws. First of all, so there was a court case. Certainly, v. they uphold laws. Court, the court, there was a court case, Roe v. Wade, right? Yes. And uh, and they they uh, they interpreted a law a certain way, right, to say that they could kill the child in the womb. So what happened after that is that they began to take advantage of that twisting and interpretation of the law. There was, there was no law that says that you're allowed to kill your baby in the womb. What happened is that we've twisted the law. It's the same thing what happened in Nazi Germany. They didn't have a legal right to kill the Jews. They twisted the law. That's why today they're still hunting down Nazis. You're aware that There's going to be a day like that. You're aware that abortion. in Nazi Germany, uh, one of the first things they did was remove women's right to have an abortion. It was legal in the 30s, and they took it away before the war. Uh, I have to study that. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take what you said. I'll study that. I'll take that because I haven't like heard a, that, but a I'll small, uh, A lot of verbal gymnastics. Uh, Roe versus Wade doesn't allow women to kill children in the womb. It allows them the autonomy to do what they wish. Uh, because there had been so many terrible illegal abortions up till then, and people were dying in back alleys, and women were having to go to Mexico and different places. And you know what? The, and, you know the argument. A, a terrible procedure that was very unsafe, and now it's a safe procedure. You know the argument they use for slavery. A lot of people. A lot of people are using arguments that there should be safer. There should be sa uh, safer ways with the with the ships whenever they would ship them over, in in the slave ships in the auction blocks. There should have that they should treat their even pastors, false pastors, were saying they should treat their, that they should take the slaves, they should have slaves, but they should set up laws to where they were treated with more respect. Mm -hmm. So, I mean... I'm not following. Well, what I'm saying is that, uh, okay, so a woman dies for murdering somebody. That is called justice. A woman should never murder somebody. If it, th th that's that's. The, what about all the men who murder women daily? In this well, they country? should be judged. Since there was a shooting this morning in Indianapolis, there they was should a be judged. In Orlando yesterday, they where five be judged. people got killed. There was 
the killing in um, they should be judged in, in Portland uh, several days ago the one in Baltimore uh, it seems like men run around pretty much and kill who they wish and it's often women who are the victims 60 million children have been killed because of women well, me, and men that will not step well, up let me ask you this then uh, what do you do to help women then uh, as opposed to uh, proselytizing outside the clinic here. Say that again. I'm, I'm on here. What do you do to help women? Do you ever give women money or, or help offer to... Like, if they want help, yeah, absolutely. Or? Yes, we, we definitely would offer adoption. In fact, there's one girl from my church, my old church. Uh-huh. Uh, she came up here and I saw her and I said, oh, what are you doing? And uh, we talked for about an hour and then she was she was willing to give our give us uh, baby for adoption. Unfortunately, what happened? We wanted the baby, but she ended up going through someone else. She ended up going through an agency. Mm. So we had already gotten the private lawyer and everything. Well, let me. Ask but it's you because this. it was awkward because she knew us and it was so she went with someone else. Does it ever? Uh, but she didn't kill her baby. She gave it up for adoption. So. Yes. Does it ever occur to you that uh, this to might, a good home, very good home, this not might not be the most uh, productive way to help women. By uh, standing outside, and we'll see that. See, okay, so the, so I'm going to say something. You see, that's a lot of these women are in a very t- a tenuous situation where they're they're nervous. They they've had a lot of people be judgmental toward them, and they they just want some help and some understanding. And then they come here, and everybody's got bloody pictures and yelling yeah. at them and whatnot. So if someone that was, might be a difficult situation. So if someone so someone's abusing their child. Uh, how, how do you react to a person abusing their child? Do you oh. say, oh, well, I just love you, and let me help you to feel better about what you're doing. Would you do that? Uh, well, I think understanding is always... Oh, no, I'm all right. Thank you, darling. What I'm saying... I, I think that obfuscates the point. No, it's bit. the same thing. So the difference no, is that no, you don't I, believe that that's a child. Uh, because you don't believe in, in, I mean, embryology. That's why... Uh, so, I mean, we understand that embryo and zygote and fetus is all human. I'm not certain why the emphasis is on the unborn rather than those who oh, are Oh, I believe in the, in the already born, too. Absolutely. In fact, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, lady for that, you heard of that movie, Jackson? Sure. Because of that movie, because of that movie, and I was in it, as you saw, mm-hmm. uh, we've had the opportunity to be, we're trying to do what we can, but my wife has been helping out the, the main uh, person from there. So my wife has been visiting and helping April. with that. Yeah. So, so because that, yeah, absolutely, we offer help to the women. Uh, but the the thing is, the thing is, you can ask her. The thing is, is that. Um, well, I know you don't need my permission. Um, no, I'm, I'm very aware of that. Maybe those guys. So you talked about bodily autonomy. I do, I, I do, I, in, a, in a form, I do believe we have the right, I mean, if you want to tattoo yourself, if you want to pierce yourself, I mean, I have tattoos and piercings, okay, if you want to cut your hair a certain way, I mean, I, I don't believe in supporting somebody, you know, there's a thing called nullification where people feel like they should be paraplegic and so cut off their arm and their legs. I don't believe in that, uh, but I mean, if you really want to do that, I mean, that's foolish, but if you want to do that, go ahead. Uh, I think that I would try to stop somebody, but the difference, the difference with this is that um, it's not bodily autonomy. It's uh, bodily autonomy is 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 done is done whenever you're dealing with somebody else's body, mm. and a, a a baby inside of the womb. 
You can call it a fetus, you can call it an embryo, zygote. All those are stages of development of human life. Just as after birth, infants are still considered stages of development of human life. Not completely, in our standards, viable. That's why there's been cultures that allowed the killing of, of babies or elderly. Okay, in euthanasia. Mm. That's why it's allowed. So, so anyway, well, let me, let me finish okay. this real quick. Um, so the body inside the body is totally different. They have a totally separate DNA, uh, uh, totally separate DNA. A woman, a man, woman does not have two separate DNA. Their child has a separate DNA. They don't have two no. They don't have two noses. They don't have four eyes. They don't have a, a, a female that has a, a boy in the womb would not have a, a penis and a vagina. And she also wouldn't have two vaginas if she had a girl. See, the, the, we talk about we talk about the uterus, but what about the uterus inside the womb? There's there's little there's little. Of course, they're young, but there's females inside. I mean, you can tell people can tell when there's a female or a male at a very early age. You know, as soon as they're able to see that on the sonogram. So, male and female, and, and I know everybody has different views of gender and all that. I'm talking about the biological. Well, anyways, what I'm saying is that you don't have two penises or two two vaginas, and you don't have a penis and a vagina. That's a separate human being. Uh, I mean, if we just use common logic, we can see that that's another human being. I guess it's a matter of emphasis for me. It's like. When I see women that are uh, in, in duress like this and they know that they can't have another baby because they can't afford it, it seems to me that their needs might be more pressing than the needs of the, uh, of the unborn. Uh, it seems like people fetishize the fetuses and, and ignore the fact that economics make it very difficult for women in this country to exist without some kind of help in this regard. Man, okay, so there's all kinds of things. There's WIC. There's all kinds of things that can mm-hmm. help women. Look, we've, we've had look help. We've had help. I'm a look, poor man, yeah. okay? I've had help. Okay, thankfully God has blessed my business, started business, but I've had to have a lot of help. We have four children. We have. You would say that that fourth one is not a child. They're on their way, but that's my child. I see them as my child. I mean, God sees them as my child. We have one that died in the womb. Okay, uh, but m- m- money. Well, there you are, one that died in the womb. That you realize that that happens all the time too. And that Absolutely, abortion is a natural occurrence. No, as no, well. no. Here's the thing. There's called natural death. Then there's called murder. If a baby dies in the womb naturally, that's one thing. There's another thing to go pay somebody to kill that baby. Mm. Um, what so, about so the emphasis? That in the Can tar- I answer the emphasis, oh, right. emphasis question? Sure. And I know where you're going. You're talking about Why bitter water. Obsessed with what? Why have you made this uh, your decision to come here and hassle people who are trying to get health care? Well, let me answer Why this question real quick, and I'll come it? back to your questions. I really will. Uh, I'm obsessed because God's obsessed with it. But um, you're God, that, not that's right. other people's God. The only God that exists. Um, um, really, use your definition. Well, I'm going to answer so his questions real quick. Shallow and narrow. He's being a little more calm, so I'm going to ask his questions. Um, so you're saying the emphasis, the issue of emphasis. Uh, about is the the woman has more rights or the child see that that's different see i actually believe in equality you don't see i actually believe in the equality of the preborn, the born and the woman and see so not the, the issue the issue with uh, oh no abs- <laughs> without even knowing it the issue of the issue of the uh 
Like, with the, running at one point, but well, well, let me finish okay, this real quick. The issue with the, the 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 woman is that it's not that I don't believe in her rights as a woman. I'm, I'm a supporter of women's suffrage. My, you know, I mean, I, I support uh, women have the right. They want to have jobs. I mean, they, they want to do what they want to do. But when it comes to inflicting something on somebody else, this that's why I'm against rape. It's a stronger person pushing their judgment upon a weaker vessel. A woman is a stronger person pushing her judgment upon a weaker vessel, the child in the womb. Huh. That's why I'm against it. It has nothing... I actually believe in equality. The difference is that the woman uh, having the right to kill somebody, I'm against. It has nothing to do with more emphasis. Can I ask you guys a practical question? How do you have the time and money to come out here and do this all the time? It's a sacrifice. You know? uh-huh. Do you have a job? Let, let me ask you this before I finish uh-huh. the question. I'm a landscaper. Even the, even the Constitution says the same thing the Bible does. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, right. with certain unalienable rights. Uh-huh. The first right that the Constitution gives you is a right to life. You cannot pursue liberty and happiness without life. It's, it's not possible. Wouldn't be impossible for you. You wouldn't be here today to argue your point if your mother hadn't loved you enough to let you live. Mm-hmm. But yet you think other people uh, shouldn't have the same However, right as you do. If my mother didn't have the uh, uh, money to have more children, and it would have been a wholesome burden on her well, let me, life. Let me ask this. If, since you support this wholeheartedly, you seem like you really believe what you're doing. Why do you think your life is more valuable than these children's life? I don't. He thinks a woman's. Well, yeah, you do. You you think they ought to be able to kill them? It's well, a total. I don't see it as as women killing babies. <laughs> I, I think don't that's believe you because God says you won't be without excuse. I, I, that's just something you're saying. You uh, every person instance, goes through the process of being in the womb. Every person certainly. So you're no different. Everybody's ever been born except uh, Adam and Eve, who God created. Everybody else has been born of a see woman. That? Born that's, of a woman. That's where we're parsing different uh, facts here. But you can't deny science. Everybody has to come I, out I, of the I womb. I shouldn't deny science at are all. Are you denying that, that every person comes I, out of the I, womb? I would deny that Adam and Eve are the first people. I, I Who don't, do you think were the first people? I, I don't see that the, the Bible has a handle on Where do you think they come from, the first people? Truth. Saying that two uh, people are the first people seems a, well, I'm a very you metaphorical, you illustrative uh, kind of way to tell the story as opposed to... Where did the first people come from then? Well, I would say my guess would be that the cradle of civilization in Africa would be where the first homo sapiens appear. Who were these people? Who were these people? They developed... You have no information and you deny... Of course I do. Well, who are they? I'm asking for a name. You've got your Australopithecus, Procanthropus... Give me a name. Oh, I, I said any he's talking, he's talking about, he's talking See, about I, ancestors. We're, we're talking, this is getting into metaphor here. Well, you're talking about something nobody knows nothing about. You, you lots of people know lots about some it. Some evolution. He's talking well, about... Well, do you believe in God, any? You don't believe in the God? I believe God. in an overriding force in the well, universe. Yes I don't no. think he's a guy with a white beard. What I'm saying, do you believe in God? I, I believe in the concept of uh, that we're all connected by anima. Well, you ain't answering my question. Why can't you just say yes or no? Yes, I do or I no, don't I believe don't. in a Christian God. Well, do you believe in any God? No. You don't believe in any God? Then? I, I, like I said, I think there's a force in the universe that connects us all. Otherwise, why would we be here? you believe that people came from monkeys, apes? No, I believe that people came from people. He believes they came from a apes. Apes, apes are a separate strain of individuals. The Bible tells us. You have no answers for anyone. Yes, I see. No names, nothing. Science exists. Science is. Uh, you believe in whatever you believe in. No, no facts to back facts. it up. 
But I don't understand why the Bible contains facts and science doesn't contain facts. A lot of science that they claim, like the earth was uh, flat. I mean, yeah, it was flat. That we'd run off the earth. People used to believe that. The Bible said it was a sphere, circular. The science used to say wash your hands in steel water. Now the doctors agree with the Bible. Wash your hands in running water. Uh, Many, many things have come out of the Bible. Hundreds. Do you deny that? Uh, I, I, I would say the Bible is... Can you be respectful? I'm not talking to you. Oh, oh pardon me. Easy. Yeah, some of your guys jumped in, man, including you. So well, I'm talking in a serious conversation. Yeah, yeah, it, it don't matter. Either, right? It don't matter. It don't matter. Well, thank if you. I want to jump right. in, I'll jump thank in. Thank you. Man, I'm serious. Thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate it. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace. Whatever your next big idea might be, count on Squarespace to help you create an eye-catching online platform that brings it to life. Whether you need a portfolio to showcase your work, a store to sell your products and services, or a blog to share your ideas, Squarespace gives you everything you need to look like an expert right from the start. You even get a unique domain, which strengthens your brand and makes it easier for visitors to find you. Plus, with Squarespace's award-winning templates, creating a beautiful website is a simple and intuitive process. You can add and arrange your content and features with a click of a mouse. And there's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. Though, if you do have a question, Squarespace's award-winning 24-7 customer support can help you with any problem, no matter how technical or trivial-seeming. Think of them as your very own IT department. So, make your next move and start your free trial at squarespace.com today. Enter the offer code PROOPS to get 10% off your first purchase. Again, that's P-R-O-O-P-S. Don't forget the R. I thank you, and the Smartest Men in the World podcast thanks you. Love you, kittens. How many days a week are you here, Jorinda? Not until you get trained. Um, Will you tell us your whole name just so I can know? Jorinda Hancock. Try to be here on both of the full days. We do two and a half days a week, mm-hmm. so I try to come. I work, so I take my two days off and come here. So I'm here on both the full days. This week I'm here all week because I knew it would be worse than normal. So you, why did you know it would be worse than normal? Um, they started up last week, and I also knew that they would be in the mood to terrorize you guys or actually get the publicity from terrorizing you guys. So I went ahead, plus I wanted to hang with Liz, but I went ahead and took the week off so I could be here every day. So they like it when camera crews are here and people They are love it. People. And the way they always urge us to call the cops, which, you know, with the dis- consent decree, the cops don't come half the time anyway. But they like for the cops to come because then they film that and they say they're being harassed by the police and they get more donations. So, uh-huh. And what are the groups that support them? Um, now, AHA, Abolish Human Abortion, that's who these guys are. They um, are self-supported. They make most of their money off of, um, it's called AHA gear, and it's the signs, the shirts, and all that. But they, um, they get donations as well, mostly from like-minded abolitionists. There are like 80 abolitionist societies across the U.S., so they get a lot of... So how can they afford to be out here all day yelling at people? When, I asked a few of them what they did, and they were pretty vague about their jobs. I know a lot of their... I know what a lot of them do. Um, Keith Dalton owns his own landscaping company, 
so you know he can work when he pleases. Mm -hmm. He's the the white shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, Kendall Boutwell, the one in the gray shirt, just walked away. Kendall owns. Kendall is from Brookhaven, which is about an hour away. He owns a landscaping company. He owns a small storage um, company, what do you call mini storage facility. And he also owns a tanning bed place. What? A tanning bed place. Okay. Pretty scary the way he loves cameras. So I'd really like for um, people who go to his tanning facility to know, but I'm nowhere near Brookhaven, so... But yeah, uh, Gabriel, the one in the checkerboard shirt, is a fourth grade school, elementary school teacher in Clinton, which is one of our little suburbs. Are they aware at his school what he does with his time? Um, probably. They wouldn't care. This is Mississippi, and religious freedom trumps everything. So they wouldn't care. They would, they would probably even condone it, support it. Are you a paid employee of this clinic? No, I've been volunteering here for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. How many paid employees are there now? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would say probably seven. Y'all got no Our nurses are part-time. They all have other jobs. So we do have three nurses that are part-time employees, so too. how do they raise money to keep this uh, going? Because this is not a Planned Parenthood clinic. It's not, but it is a <laughs> theoretically for-profit. We are not a non-profit. Um, the clinic does get donations. People do donate to us. They were really good when we were having to go to court because we were in court battles for four years to try to keep the doors open. And so folks were really good about, you know, helping fight that battle, although the Center for Reproductive Rights did that pro bono for us as well. What's a way for people to donate if they want to help? Um, We have a link on wakeupmississippi.com. It's our sister page, and there's a link on there that you can donate at. People also just send checks to the clinic, which is 2903 North State Street, or Jackson, Mississippi. Don't know the zip off the top of my head. What made what motivated you to start coming here when you did? Um, I've been pro-choice my whole life, always supported um, through NARAL and NOW and all those types of organizations. But um, I actually got involved with the Occupy movement when Occupy was nationwide, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which urged me to get out of what I was doing at the time, which was managing restaurants, which was 70 hours a week. And I said, you know, I can't be what I need to be and do that. So I quit that job, took a part-time job, and started working with Occupy. And then after Occupy, I got, I came to some events here during the Roe v. Wade thing, and we realized there were no escorts. And so the most majority helped us set up an escorting team, and we didn't actually quite like doing things the way they trained us to. So our Diane Dursus, our owner, said, you know what, as long as you don't touch these people, you can do whatever you need to do to keep them away from our patients. When you said the way you're trained to, were you trained to not engage with the aunties? We were. You're not to engage with them. You're not to even say good morning. You're not to have any contact with them whatsoever. To a degree, they don't even want you to make eye contact. Does that make this clinic different than other? Does that make this clinic different than other clinics? Absolutely. To my knowledge, we are the only clinic that engages to this degree. Some clinics have started, though, using music 
to drown them out. Uh, the Huntsville Clinic in Alabama, they are just, we call them a little bit rogue because every now and then when they don't have their cameras going, they'll engage a tad bit. And, but yeah, it's, we are the only ones who go for full scale engagement. Fantastic. And how long do you intend to carry on with this? Do you see any? We were talking yesterday. That, uh, any light at the end of this tunnel? Do you think people's minds are changing, or is Mississippi well, going I to carry on being Mississippi? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Since since November, and particularly since January, with the Women's March, um, people are coming out more. We've gotten over 20 new escorts since January. And people are starting to get more involved. As far as an end to this, those pro-life and abolitionists and all, they're not going to stop coming until laws are enforced to keep them away from the clinics or created and enforced. And that's probably the least likely to happen in Mississippi of any state in the nation because we are the number one most religious state. So it's not likely. So am I to understand before you came here that there weren't escorts to help uh, the people who were coming in to seek a treatment. No, there weren't. So they had to come in on their own through a gauntlet of uh, yes. antis? Yes. And it's my understanding that back in the day, like 2004, 2005, it was much worse than it is now. There were many more of them. And back in those days, they would even try very hard to block the entry, things like that. So it was a shame. But at that time, Diane did not own the clinic. She bought the clinic in 20, the end of 2010, and she, you know, she has a couple other clinics, and so she never really went around about getting it to that point. But as the anti-traffic started picking up, she agreed it was a great idea to try to do that. So I think maybe once upon a time, very long ago, like the late 90s, they might have had some escorts here because people have told me they did it. But many years it went without any. Wow. That's astounding. Yeah, it's kind of sad. What's more sad is that we have to be here. Yes. It would be much better if they just go home, get a real hobby, and let the women walk in here like any other doctor's office. It's very difficult to teach understanding. Mm -hmm. Don't think it's going to happen with these guys, particularly AHA. Yeah. (laughs) Dr. Crawford... Uh, opined that he felt that a lot of this has to do with controlling women that HA these fellows here the people who come out here that their motive is not necessarily um, altruistic or even to save the babies they're talking about the theoretical babies that don't have brains uh, absolutely. what would you say about that oh he's absolutely right now don't get me wrong I do believe we have four or five that come out here that believe what they're doing that are sincere and true to their own hearts but the majority of them and particularly the males you notice we have a good deal of white male protesters Um, it's all about control I mean just like rape is about control this is about control with them they're not concerned about the fetus they just want to tell women what they can and can't do 
something that struck me, uh, strikes me being here and having watched the documentary is that it seems to me the preponderance of patients here are black women and that the preponderance of protesters are white men. Mm -hmm. And that's not lost on me, but the way the world is perceived through the mainstream media, of course, everything's perceived through white men's eyes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Yes, sir. Um, what, What do you think about that issue that... Not that what makes white men blind to everything. I understand that, being a white man. <laughs> Is there a way to ever... What would you say on that subject? Let me just leave it more open and not point it at you. The, it's black women here. Mm-hmm. If you ask them, these guys, I'm sure all of them wouldn't say they're racist. They'd say they're Christians. Yes, yes. They, they actually told Joel earlier, more or less, that... It was okay to be black. <laughs> Not in those exact words, but I, I hope someone got it on film. I did miss that. But, um, again, um, they use their Bible for everything, and obvi- I, I'm not a fan of the book, but they obviously cherry-pick what they want to use and not use. And, um, you know, I have... In my opinion, their book, they use their book just to emphasize the control. Um, yeah, they, they make statements constantly about the number of black women that go into this clinic. Uh, the black population of Jackson is like 74%. So, gee, I wonder why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't take you know, the demographics or anything into consideration. Um, yeah, they... It amazes me that any man who, well, I'm sorry, anyone who can't have a child hasn't endured the pain, everything that goes with it. And when men can simply walk away from the situation if they choose to do so, Mm -hmm. and a woman can't, that they feel like they have the right to judge and tell people what they have to do with their own bodies. We're talking about thousands of years of the patriarchy and you know, four or five hundred years in this country of white men feeling complete empowerment in every aspect of their lives. They don't feel the need to support women. They don't feel the need to groom, for goodness sakes. They feel like they have the right to basically tell other people what to do, shoot people if they like. Mm-hmm. And um, now there's a mild erosion going on, uh, even with the current state of the GOP government and the clearly predatory uh, man that's in the White House. Is that that what's causing this panic? Uh, That because white men are losing an iota of their say in society, is that why we're seeing an uptick in um, trying to reclaim oppression? that's part of it or, or that's the deal with some of them but with others I feel like the administration we have now has empowered them to be able to do and say whatever they want to a degree that they didn't have before mm. and now they think they can just take more and more 
um, oppress minorities, um, LGBTQ, and women more than they did in the past, and that they have just basically a free license to do that. So I think, I think to a degree, like I said, it's just empowered them. And they're coming out <laughs> more and more, where before a lot of them were quieter about it or a little more. Oh, yeah, especially here. <laughs> Jazz Brissack. How old are you, Jazz? 19. I usually never ask women their age, but you're quite young. <laughs> and what's motivated you, come down, uh, you to come down here? Well, this is the front line in the defense and the war against women, and so... I'm a student at the University of Mississippi in Oxford, but I'm here for the summer working for the United Auto Workers Union. And so this is what I do on my off days and morning shifts when I don't have to go in super early. Well, you're quite motivated. Now, what are you studying at the university? I'm doing a triple minor, which counts as a major, so journalism, public policy, and creative writing. Well done. Is your family oriented this way? Did you think this up on your own? Um... Uh, my family was always very pro-choice. That was mom's always said, "Don't date anyone who isn't," and so that was our absolute. <laughs> That's fantastic. So you're here for the summer then? Yes. So have you been volunteering the whole time? Um, as much as possible. I met Dorinda uh, last year when I organized the Jill Stein event in Oxford, and mm-hmm. so I've always wanted to come down, and I've been able to since the since school got out this earlier this year. Now, with all the things you're studying, is this what you intend on pursuing, uh, mostly journalism? Um, either labor organizing or advocacy journalism. Uh-huh. Why labor organizing? Because I think that everything gets down to a uh, issue of capitalism, including this, because the war on women's reproductive rights is a class issue because poor women are the most affected by the lack of access to medical care and to safe and legal abortions, and they're the ones that are dying when this is not available to them. Um, You're the first person today to characterize it as the war on women, and uh, you're also the youngest person I've talked to. I find that very interesting. I concur with you. I think it's a war on women as well. Why do you describe it as a war on women? Well, I think that this was going on before, but I think recent events have made the fact that it is a war on women even clearer. I mean, we've got President Pussy Grabber, I don't know if I can say that on air, but on the White House. And um, I think that it's just become even clearer that women's rights are not respected, that um, we're considered a legitimate target, and people paint it in so many misleading ways to try to pretend that it's not. I think it is. I think that that, that there's ongoing violence against women, that that gun violence in this country is largely men perpetrating violence against women. Um, The socioeconomic implications of that, that most people who live in poverty, that the largest growing segment of homelessness is, is women veterans uh, I how do you think you're, you're a young student how do you think that we educate uh, the coming a, a lot of people are past educating it you, you're around some of them now uh, how, 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 do, how, do, how do we hit people going forward as they say 
I think we have to reach them young in schools. People have to realize that any like it, that a social net is necessary for their own survival as well as for the survival of society as a whole. And the majority of single women uh, of single parent households are women, and um, all of the budget cuts and everything are hurting women. And I think that growing up in these circumstances is going to radicalize a whole bunch of people. So hopefully we won't have this issue too much longer. It's horrible circumstances, but we may have a unforeseen result. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're saying in the next several years? I don't think this is going to change immediately. I think that things happen slowly and that for every bit of progress, then there's a backlash and we're in the middle of a pretty major backlash right now. But I think we will get over this. Do you mind saying your name just for our purposes Uh, here? Dr. Scott M. Crawford, C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D. Dr. Crawford, uh, you're in a wheelchair here. Now, when you come out here and all these protesters are here, do you mind explaining the technicalities of uh, why they're not allowed to block the sidewalk? Well, because it blocks access. This is a public space. It's owned by the citizens of Jackson and no one's allowed to block access to the public right-of-way. The sidewalk's considered public right-of-way. It also serves as as the only entrance to the clinic, so people have to keep that area clear. Do they respect that if if you're not here, Dr. Crawford? I don't know. You'd have to ask Amelie. I don't see anybody whipping falling. I often see them setting up posters and seats here, which block too much of the right-of-way. So, I was talking about... I'm sorry, my voice doesn't work well. I have have MS. Um, I was a clinical neuropsychologist before I got MS. And I don't really want to engage these people because I know how that ends. But science tells us that what makes us human, what makes a human being is a fully functioning brain. You know, a fetus is does not have a fully developed brain. And at the point it's a single-cell organism, it doesn't have a brain at all. So the argument that, quote, a human being exists at the level of a single-cell fertilized egg is preposterous on its face. I mean... And these people don't understand that. And, you know, people can have opinions, but they can't have their own facts. You know, I'm a scientist by training. I try to deal in facts and realities. And the women here are people. They do have choices. And we should respect that. We should respect every woman's autonomy. And these people are trying to take that autonomy away. And I object. I object. 
that's not going to get into the these people but uh, you know I respect women I respect their choices I respect their autonomy nobody tells a woman what she can do with her body you know and a fetus is part of her body anyway I agree uh, they seem very set in their ways and not particularly uh, open to the ideas of things that don't agree with what they've been taught in their uh, their religious dogma. It's, it's ideology. You know, I happen to be a person of faith myself. I happen to be a Christian. But that does not interfere with my belief in science. I consider you can be a Christian and be a scientist at the same time. And you could be a Christian and still believe in women's rights. You know, um, as a Christian, I feel very comfortable supporting a woman's right to choose. Do you think it's just a matter of conditioning here? Uh, not in Mississippi, and well, obviously, since specifically we're in Mississippi, but uh, the kind of education system we have in the United States, mixed with uh, what people are uh, what people are taught uh, growing up, as you say, as far as ideology goes, is that what keeps them from being able to? Um, understand these complex issues in, in a more scientific way or is it simply that people feel more comfortable uh, defending their position I know that's a complicated question there's I think certain people because of their personality structure need rigid ideologies rigid blacks and whites and I cannot help but believe that what partly motivates these people is a desire to control other people. I cannot avoid that conclusion. I really think that this is about control. Um, this is about wanting to control women and dominate women. And that's what I find one of the many things that I find very offensive about their position. They're trying to control women, and that's just unacceptable. I agree. Do you think that that need to want to control women comes from some sort of insufficiency inside of their, they need their own control? Or? Look, you know, I don't like to think the worst about people, but it's such a terrible uh, imposition what they're doing, in my estimation. Uh, I, I feel like it de part of the controlling of women is criminalizing them and demonizing them for things that they ought to be allowed to do. And that's where I can't... I, I agree. There is something inherently sexist in wanting to control women. It is sexism. Look, listen to the anger and the vitriol. I mean, even Christians are taught not to judge. And what are these people doing? You know, they're condemning people, condemning women. That's what's hard for me to understand. I talk to them for a while and try to listen to their point of view, and I still don't come away with any other conclusion other than uh, complete judgment. And they d they don't understand that the economics of the situation, the the sociology of the situation. There's a real narrow understanding. 
which serves their purpose. Yeah, yeah. And hey, Tim. So anyway, I. And then, and then, when women want birth control, they object to birth control. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't get that. You know, what could be more empowering than being able to control whether you reproduce? You know, I mean, that's just empowerment. You know, people making choices for their own lives, for what's best for them. And you know, that's the American way. <laughs> have you been coming here, Doctor? Uh, I think, I think it was 2009. Every chance I get, I try to... I'm, I specialize in disability rights, but I try to be a human rights activist. So I will show up to LGBT events. I will show up to women's rights events. I went to the Women's March here. You know... Uh, stand up for racial justice you know I, I try to do it all because it's all the same to me all human rights matter do you see the climate changing at all in Mississippi <sighs> it's too slow to discern I, I can't see it but then again but then again, you know, I've got limited exposure. I mean, it, it's very slow. It's very slow and very incremental. If at, if we're moving at all, it's very slow and extremely incremental. Well, for instance, the mayor of Jackson, or the mayoral election today, and that uh, we haven't heard yet, but hopefully by the end of the day we'll know whether... Uh, Chuck Willamumba's mayor. Is that a move in the right direction? Definitely. Definitely. You know, he has a heart to serve, and he has a great, uh, what is the word? He emphasizes human rights. He cares about human rights. He's all about inclusion and equity. So, yeah, I, I, I have confidence that he's a good man and that he'll do the right thing. It's so impressive what you're doing and your commitment. Um, do you think, I mean, education would seem to be a primary concern, improving it? And, and that, that's, that's another thing that I work for, trying to urge our legislature to fully fund public schools according according to the Mississippi Adequate Education Program which I don't know if anyone's explained that to you but the legislature passed a minimum level of funding which is deemed quote unquote adequate the definition of adequate is that a school funded at such a level would perform at a C level so we're talking, it's not a high bar, is what I'm saying. The Mississippi Adequate Education Program is meager at best, and we're not even following that. So, yeah, that's another issue that faces Mississippi that people should all care about. Because democracy depends upon an educated populace. 
enlightened and educated. I'm preaching the word of God to you. I'm not saying nothing to you except your false Wonder Woman shirt. And is this enlightened or educated? Is it? Really? Somebody told me that some of these people are also dropouts from AA and NA, and they use some of those talking points. Have you heard this? AA and other 12-step programs would never be drawn into this controversy. I don't mean that they were, but that these people dropped out of those programs, but are, you know, they're coming from the perspective of uh, they want to feel better than somebody. They want to judge somebody as their primary motive. You hit a good point. I think they really do get something internal. They meet an internal need by being holier than thou, by being one up. It's What's alarming is it seems to have, there's an uptick. Uh, uh, they were telling us at the clinic that in recent months they're helped and abetted by an organization to, to be more invasive. Well, I, I think it's happening. You guys would know better than I because you've been around the country. But I think since the November election, this has all gotten worse because these people feel emboldened. Do you think these people are paid to be here? I was asking them if they had jobs, and I got a lot of the Lord blessed me and blessed my job and whatnot, but not a real answer. Like, how do you have the time to be out here all day? I don't. Uh, I'm a comedian, but I still don't have the time to be somewhere all day imposing my views on other people. I, I tend to do it in a club at night. Uh, <laughs> I take my hour on the stage and strut and fret, but uh, that's what gets me is, don't they have any gainful employment? Or, or are they being paid? Uh, uh, this administration often accuses protesters of being paid protesters because they want to quell dissent, and that's a great way to say it. Well, I know I'm not being paid to be here. Oh, hell no. <laughs> So I'm Liz Winston. I'm a comic and a producer and a writer. And um, I started Lady Parts Justice League so I could gather my my compadres in the comedy community to do a little bit more than just maybe do a benefit for somebody. To actually come, step up, um, have an experience that helps them advocate even more to our fan base who really is who really care and who would love to participate and oftentimes just don't know how. Do you mind saying where people might help uh, if they want to give to Lady Parts Justice League or allied um, entities? If you want to, um, you know, donate to Lady Parts Justice League, it's ladypartsjusticeleague.com. You'll support our tour. You'll support us being able to come to a clinic and help them. It, like the people in the Deep South, they, it's so, it either pours relentlessly or there's sun relentlessly. So, like, we're in Mississippi today. Um, we... We often ask the clinics, hey, when we come, we want to support you in some way, emotionally or otherwise. And the answer I always get is, you know, we just want you to come. Like, come, and we'll bring them food or take them up for drinks, um, do a comedy show. And then when we get there, it's, as we talk, 
it's sort of like when you when like you have that one weird doorknob that doesn't work in your house, and you don't recognize that you need to get that fixed. And somebody goes, "You should get that fixed," and it's like, "Yeah." So as we reveal and see what they need, um, then we can help them do that. So, for example, they need umbrellas because they're out here all day, and so we learn that by coming. So we're going to have made pink umbrellas that say um, "clinic." clinic escort so that people know that that person with the umbrella is is going to be there to help them and just also to protect them from the elements as well um they have a beautiful garden here that they started and and they can't afford to have to get enough plants so we're going to go and buy a bunch of plants today and do that um it's the little things that make a place seem cozy comfortable and beautiful as well um, as as anything else, so the patients can feel like they're walking into an environment that feels really loving and beautiful and great. Um, and if you're in some of these states that are really hit hard, there's few volunteers, right? And then the staff is so overwhelmed. This is the only clinic in the state of Mississippi. So the people who are providing the care, sometimes they just don't have time to take a breath and do an assessment for what they need, right? And so it's like... If those of us who have used these clinics are using them and saying, I got mine and left, that's doing a disservice. Because what, what we've ostensibly done is we've got to control our own destiny, go on, do the things that we wanted to do. Um, and we're leaving we're leaving that pathway <clears throat> to, to that destiny, to the doctors, to provide the care, defend the laws, and correct the scientific record. And we can take some of that off their plate. You know, we can create more advocates. We can help people join up and and create a better environment for them. And when you come and you see badasses in Jackson, Mississippi, who are just incredible, because you forget so many of these clinic escorts that we're meeting, they're the political, they're the progressive heart and soul of the state. So when they're not here fighting for abortion rights and access, they're fighting for union rights. They're fighting for immigrant rights. They're fighting for LGBTQ rights. And that is just so much. And so... To be able to have people just come and then have a sign-up sheet at a show to say, I can sign up with my local group to do X, Y, and Z. I can register to vote. Like, that's a service that we can provide. The simple gathering space, then then we do a talk back where they explain what their needs are. Somebody can, at the end of the show, sign up, and then we're made tell, a connection. Tell us a little bit about what happens at the end of the show. So, so we're, we do the comedy show. Yeah, so we do, so we do, we all do the comedy show, and then after the comedy show, we have somebody from the clinic and somebody who runs the escort program or somebody who might run an abortion fund what they'll do is they'll talk to the audience about about what um, what their needs are at um, at at any given clinic, or, or and so they learn for, straight from the horse's mouth, not from some outside interloper. You know, I just provide the vessel that brings the people, and then the people in the community who are providing the services and the care can actually say, um, "Here's exactly what we need." And after the show, if you just come to our table, we'll fill you in more and sign up. And then, and then they're connected. And then they can start talking to each other. And then more escorts can come. More people can sign up to do other things. They really will understand how the clinics are under siege. And then when we pull out, they've grown access. The other thing that's kind of cool 
is because our organization is made up of all these different creative people, if they're trying to do an action that they want to do something of humor, or if they're trying to raise awareness through a video, they contact us and say, hey, we have this law coming down the pike. We don't have the capability to make a video that we can send out to the networks here. Can you do that for us? Mm-hmm. And we do that. We've done it for several states around the country, that, and it's really helped in Louisiana and in Missouri and in Texas. And so that's we try to be this like full-service um, activist organization that really helps um, elevate the issue, uh, grow the community of activists, and also just bring joy to the people providing the service because they deserve it. How many places are you going? How many places are you going on the Vagical Mystery Tour? The Vagical Mystery Tour is 16 cities in eight weeks, and so we started in Atlanta in early June, and we will end up. We go. We're taking a southern Midwestern route. Um, we chose our routes by uh, clinic outreach and then clinics that need the most help in growing. Um, larger uh, community movements. So, um, you know, it's like all the through the South, we, we leave Jackson, we go to Little Rock, and then Oklahoma City, Wichita, um, uh, Iowa City, Omaha, and then we go to Michigan. Michigan is almost like a southern state in their laws. It's mm-hmm. really, really I impressive. I noticed you in Illinois as well. Yeah. Chicago is just um, a place where... We wanted to grow a larger, like a little bit of a more of a national base. And Chicago is a place that a lot of people come to from other oppressive places to have services, right? So to have the communities in Chicago understand that what happens a lot in states that we'll call blue states or safe states, and I'm putting air quotes around that shit, um, they are overwhelmed in their clinics by people who live in neighboring states that might have a 72-hour waiting ban and all these laws that can make it um, unaffordable to actually have services in their state. It's cheaper to travel to Chicago and have an abortion than it is to have one in your own state. So to let folks in Illinois understand that while your state might be state safe for you, you're also a haven for so many other people. And so Mm -hmm. it's important for us to get those bases grown um, and also to demand actually more care. It's it's, and for the politicians, for me, it's not enough to say you're pro-choice and to vote against legislation. It's really important to say you're going to propose legislation that can expand access. Because as these clinics grow and as things in a perfect world with Medicaid, in a perfect world, there's never going to be abortion. So just shut the fuck up. People have get pregnant since there's been fucking. So that's just a thing. But as access expands, as there's medication abortion and you can have an abortion on your own, um, you want these independent clinics to thrive in other ways. So many clinics now are providing incredible trans health programs for people who live in in the rural South and in the Midwest. They're also providing birthing centers so that you can put childbirth back into the hands of the person having the baby because so much, you know, there is like been expansive reasons for, um, you know, a doctor who may want to get on the golf course may suggest a c-section you know you may want to have a water birth you know a lot of those things aren't available or you or have birth with your doula um and so to be able to expand those services uh to poor women and low-income women and also women who really want to have childbirth as a natural experience that's in their own hands they're adding these things too so it's really cool to see how as the services um grow as um we have all different ways of of being able to deal with pregnancy that you can offer a range of, of pregnancy services for poor people so that you can have dignity um, if you want your child 
if you can't have a child, and that's what's really cool. What can the average groovy, sharing, caring person who wants to participate but is busy living their life and being on their phone and all that? Yeah. What can they do at the minimum, Liz? So the minimum you can do, there's so many cool things you can do at the minimum. So if you know a bunch of friends who are like, Jesus, I want to help. Like, what can I do? But I don't have a ton of time. Here's some stuff you can do. Once a month, get together with your friends, have a dinner party. Six, eight, ten people. If you go to prochoice.org, there's a list of all of the independent clinics in the country. We have postcards at ladypartsjusticeleague.com that you can download, and you can send postcards of support. You can drink some wine, send postcards of support. You can buy your own postcards. You can download them from us. Um, But send a postcard because we live in a world where an uninvited piece of closed mail is a terrifying thing to get at a clinic. Mm -hmm. So you could write postcards. Um, You could offer yourself up to the... um, the, the clinic and say, I'm happy to have you vet me, but my friends and I would like to, four times a year, once a month, um, bring some cupcakes to you, find out what you need. Does your escort program need help? I, I could escort. I could learn to train to escort. You might not have the... Um, you might not have the temperament to escort because when you see these people, you really have to do a lot of self-checking in with how you feel about that. So it might not be emotionally for you, which is cool, but there's a doula program where you can train to hold somebody's hand who comes alone, um, and that's really special and really important. A lot of clinics have that. Um, you could also create environments where if you wanted to throw a party and invite the clinic there and say, we want to be loud and proud and invite you in a social setting where we want people to know who you are. Also, if you're a comedian and you can't join us, one of the things you can do is if you're on tour and going to clubs, you can ask a club if you could have four comps and offer those comps to every clinic um, that you or every town that you visit. So if you're working at a club in San Antonio, you can get four comps and you can call the local clinic and say, hey, I've got four comp tickets to a comedy show. I'd love to offer them up to your space. So... Those are just some things that I just threw out there right there that are really easy to do, but any amount of kind, and you can just speak up. You know, if you want to do the bare minimum, when you talk about access to reproductive rights and abortion, you could, if you would start training yourself to never use the phrase pro-life when you're talking about the people who stand outside of clinics, um... It is not fair to the women who've had abortion, and it's not fair to the doctors who provide them every day, because these people have killed people. And when, when their lives are at risk providing the service, allowing someone and affording them the dignity of acting like they care about life, especially when the person having the abortion is never included into that scenario of respect, that is one thing you could just do in your own verbiage and language. And also sort of challenging people when they say things like, well, nobody likes abortion. You know, asking yourself, why do we say that? None of us would advocate for killing babies. We don't believe in a, that a baby should be killed. If you're pro-choice, you understand that. And so to say abortion is safe and legal, let's not put a caveat on that. That makes somebody who's had an abortion feel shamed. Makes them feel like there's good abortions and bad abortions. The truth is, there are no good abortions, there are no bad abortions, there's just the abortion that somebody needs. And that's the thing that we fight for every single day. Because I happen to trust women, and I happen to trust people who 
who know that when they make an assessment to end a pregnancy, it's because they know what's best for their bodies, their families, and their lives. 60 to 65% of all people who have terminated... Yeah, thanks. You're helpful. Um, have, um, have one or more children, and they assess that for their family. Um, and lastly, I would say to your politicians and to you, um, don't force women to feel like a wedge issue. Don't force women to feel like they're some kind of like single-issue voter. The autonomy of women and their economic justice often starts with when and if they can choose to have a family. And that needs to be centered for all of us. It's not a women's issue. It's a human rights issue. And for somebody who believes those things, demand that your politicians, and right now it's been really disappointing to see some leadership in the Democratic Party mm. saying, um, you know, that's a place we can compromise. You want to know what? Somebody can't be sort of pregnant. They shouldn't have sort of options. And so asking people to, to center that is is a, those are some good ways to start. I couldn't agree more. I think that's a no-budge issue for the Democratic Party. If the Democratic Party is supposed to stand for a big tenant and inclusive and LGBT rights and people of color and women, then you must hold the line on that regard. I, it, it, that one really, really hacks me off Yeah. when I hear... Uh, politicians, let's just say, uh, say, oh, well, that's not, you know, that shouldn't be a, a, a deal breaker. Yeah. That's like saying, uh, well, um, let's just throw women under the bus, but we expect them to still join us anyway. We're here at the Pink House here in Jackson, Mississippi, with the, the director of the Pink House. And your name is? I'm Shannon Brewer. And how long have you been uh, working here, Shannon? I've been here 17 years. Uh-huh. And you, have you been in the director the whole time? No, I've been the director since 2010. What motivated you to come here at the beginning? Actually, when I first came here, I was just looking for a job. And um, the director at the time, they were hiring, and she asked me would I be interested. I needed a job, so I was like, sure. So I came part came on part-time, and it kind of went from there. What was your first job here? Uh, I was a um, sterile scrub tech. Basically, I clean instruments, sterilize instruments, stuff like that. Did you have any background in, in, in anything medical or nursing? Not at that time, no. Really? No, nothing. And no one in your family? No. Wow. And then you became director in 2010. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, do you assume that position uh, when someone left? Um. Well, kind of, yeah. It was uh, not long after someone left and someone... A new person came in and purchased the facility. Uh-huh. So how important was it when the new person came in and purchased this facility? Because this is a private. Correct. Thing. Correct. Um, I mean, it's very important because it would have, um, the previous owner, she actually passed away. And we needed to find someone who was going to keep the facility open. So it was very important that she stepped in. She and the previous owner were actually um, very good friends. Nice. Yeah. How many women do you reckon uh, uh, avail themselves of your services? Um, well, we see approximately a little over 2,000 women a year. Wow. Yeah. And all from Mississippi, or do they come from other states as well? No, it's not all from Mississippi. Um, surrounding states, Louisiana, Tennessee, Alabama, those are mostly the states that we get patients from, other than Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... What motivates you to keep going here? Um, well, it's needed. It's just needed. I, I don't, I don't see any other reason except that it's needed, and it's not. 
I don't think it's fair for women to need our services or need this type of service and not and it not be available to them. So that alone keeps me going. The fact that I know how hard it is to be out here in this world and and you know you don't know your circumstances you don't know to be caught up in different circumstances and not know not have this this as an option i know how hard that is mm -hmm. yeah i i just i've experienced a lot of things in my personal life that i can honestly say that i truly understand that women go through so many different things and a lot of people unless you've been through it or unless you are deep into this type of thing then you don't get it mm -hmm. you just don't get it and I just know that you know no matter what's going on every day that we get to open these doors we're doing something good so. well and they've tried so hard to shut it down Yeah, they've done everything they can including opening the, the ridiculous uh, center down the street uh, intimidation the protesters laws but you guys are just staunch. Yeah, we they they are trying. They have tried over the years so many different tactics to try to get us closed down. They report us to the, um, the Department of Health. They pass these trap laws to try to get us closed down. And they and each time they do this, they pretend that it's they're looking out for women's well-being and the the trap laws and the the bogus stuff that they call in about. Um, they're never substantial and it, and it never seems to pay off so we you know we're just gonna as it comes we just fight them as, as as it comes are you finding that you're getting more support as time goes on oh my god yes definitely that's the one thing that i can say that i appreciate so very much is i can remember it was a time when we weren't we had no escorts we had we didn't have people calling us like we do now you know supporting us we weren't getting the, all of these letters and just, you know, thank you notes and just so much outpour from this community alone, just from the community. This is, like, so surprising. It's, like, totally different from how it used to be. It, it, uh -huh. We used to feel like we were just by ourselves. So wow. how, how many clinics yeah. are there like this in Mississippi? This is just for the people listening. This is the only abortion clinic in the whole state. And how many people live in Mississippi? Oh, wow. I don't even know. How many in Jackson? About 300,000? Maybe, yeah. So I don't know right off. That would be, let's just say for argument's sake, a couple hundred thousand women in Jackson yeah. alone? Uh, yeah, exactly. And one clinic to one service clinic. all of them. Yeah. And not just Jackson. Yeah. This is the whole state of Mississippi. Uh -huh. it's, 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 it's a lot. We have to deal with a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But these women deserve it, so it's like... Mm -hmm. It makes our jobs easier knowing that we're making a difference in somebody's life. In light of that, you said there's more support uh, recently. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's a good sign for what might happen? Uh, how and, and in Mississippi politically, however, you know, glacially things move along here. Um, politically, I'm not so sure mm -hmm. right now. Mississippi, we can't seem. They won't let us. I don't think they will allow. When I say us, I mean people who, you know, pro-choice people. I think they're, they, the political side of it is hard to get where we need to get in order to make a huge difference. Do you think that, presuming the new mayor is Shokwe Lumumba, do you mm -hmm. think that he will uh, help you guys? 
or I hope so. I can only hope so. And the only reason I say that is, you know, I've heard before about this person or that person who is, you know, going to help with this or going to do this and that. And once they're elected, things change, you know. But not saying that that's what he would do because I don't know. I usually try not to pre-get excited about anything here because I've seen so many things flip-flop. Action tells me everything. I I just... (laughs) People talk to me, it's like, okay, action tells me everything I need to know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When did you get clinic escorts to help? Our clinic escorts came in 2011 or 12. So up to that point? No, so nothing. So We didn't have any clinic escorts. We had a, um, one security guard out there and the staff. Like I said, we had to go in and out, constantly helping to get the patients in, um, to keep the antis back. That's what we did. We we did that until the patients got inside, and then once they're inside, we would see the patients. And then the security guard and the staff would help the patients get back to their cars without being harassed. That's so, a shocking state of affairs. Yeah, so you can only imagine. The escorts are like... <laughs> They're like amazing. I'm tired. It's just like I can't talk about my escorts enough. I have just I've been here. I was here for 10, 11 years without seeing an escort. You may every now and then you may get someone that says they want to help out and they'll help out that day and we won't ever see them again. That's just how it went, and that was rare. So, but to see these escorts every day, it's like it's amazing to me. How yeah. did that happen? People just felt that they should show up, or did you? Kind of organize that, or actually, um, I have to give that credit to um, the feminist majority. They came down and they did an escort training, and it was during the time when um, they were trying to pass these laws. That last law that we took us five years to get through uh, the admitting privileges, all of that was going on. And um, like I said, they diverned with the feminist majority. They came down and um, they started a escort training. And from that, I just got some good people from that one. It was, I was just impressed. I really was because I'm like, people actually are coming out and people want to help and people do support us. Because at that time, we felt like we were alone. And we really did because people weren't speaking up. I knew that there were people who were pro-choice. I knew that there were people who believed in what we did, but nobody was speaking up. Yeah, so. That's profound. Yeah. They finally showed up. Yeah, they actually showed up and they <laughs> stayed and they stayed and they kept coming back because even in the beginning when Devern and them were doing it and all these people signed up for it, blah, 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 this and that. And I was like, okay, after about a week, I won't see them anymore. You know, it, it took me a while, literally probably about a month or so to, you know, for me to just say, oh, these people are for real. They're coming every day. You know, you know after that, I was like, wow, they really mean it. <laughs> so... And they've been here ever since. And it's actually, it's grown since then. Because, that, you know, our regulars at one time was just one or two people. Now it's it's grown. So when I when I look out there and I see all that, those pink vests out there, it's like, wow. That's cool. Yeah. A support system. Yeah, exactly. Yep. If someone uh, wanted to help uh, the, the pink house here, mm-hmm. could, could they, would they be able to donate money? Yes, they, um... We take donations here. You can send it directly here, or you can uh, donate online. At uh, you can go to the Jackson Women's Health website, and it has a um, uh, link 
where they can donate. What's the website? Um, JacksonWomen'sHealth.com or .org. I don't, I don't want to say it wrong. Because we want to get people to help. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, there's a, um, we have a Facebook page also. A lot of people go there. And it's, um, there's a Wake Up Mississippi, uh-huh. which is us. They have the Wake Up Mississippi um, web, uh, page, and there's a Jackson Women's Health page. I love the Wake Up Mississippi. I know, right? Because it is just in your face. Yeah. It's a celebration. <laughs> it is. Than, you know, that is true. Anything. It's that is true. proud to be a woman. That's right. Our help. Yep. Wake up, Mississippi. That's why it's called that. It's time to wake up. Yeah. I love it. Uh, This state is so, uh, you know, set in its ways, Mm -hmm. in so many ways. But going forward, what do you think uh, the best way to, uh, uh, you know, give people the information about all the good work that you guys do here? In in other words... um, what do you think the best way to change minds is? It's, it's by it's by hands-on experience, or what do you think? I think hands-on experience makes a big difference. I think, and the reason, I, and I go back to the escorts. There are people who have never escorted before, who have never been to this facility before, and they come out, and I have seen they would come to me, or one of my other other ones would come to me, and it's like. I didn't know it was like this. I didn't know all this was going on. And you can see it in their faces. It changes who they are. And I've seen those escorts bring other escorts out like, you have got to see what these people are dealing with. You know, because you can hear about it and read about it all day long. But until you actually come out here, I mean, take one day to come out here. I think it changes a lot. Mm -hmm. It does. And, you know... If you're on the fence about certain things, then it's not going to hurt you to come out and just stand out there and see what's going on. You don't even have to be on either side. Just come out and see what's going on rather than reading our side and reading their side. Of course, you know, they're, they're going to say, oh, of course, they're going to put everything, make everything look good on this side. And, of course, the antis are going to do the same thing, make themselves look this and that. So guess what? Just come out. We don't have any issue with people coming out here to just see, you know. And that way when you open your mouth about women's health and stuff you have some first hand knowledge on, about it you know what I'm saying instead mm-hmm. of here say he say she say stuff like that well and also you yeah. see families here together getting health care whatever people think of in their minds of, of what happens in these clinics it's, it's totally not, different yes. it's totally yes. everybody who, who comes here who's never been here this is from patients to you know people outside it's never what they thought it was mm-hmm. it is never what they, and they they tell us that this is not what I thought I thought y'all were going to be doing this and I thought I'm like no nah. but that's what people always say but we get a lot of patients believe it or not who say that they'll tell us oh we didn't think it looked like this inside or we didn't you know you know we didn't think y'all was going to be treating us like this inside or we thought y'all were going to try to convince us convinced us to have an abortion or you know stuff like that and I'm like no that's not what we do here you know we get patients who come in and are not sure and we talk to them and we tell them that then this is not then you don't need to do it if you're not sure you know because that's the honest truth we want you to be sure what you're doing and you know because I always tell people you know you're the one who has to deal with this after you walk out of those doors so be sure of what you want to do you know we're not pressuring we've had patients on the table who changed their minds yeah, and I mean that—that's the reality, you know. And 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 we're not gonna say, well, this is this is what's best for you. No, we don't know what's best for you. You know what's best for you. Right, and 
that's you know? the point. It's a personal decision. decision. Not exactly. The state's decision, yep. not the government's decision. Yeah. But people are under the impression that once they walk through these doors, we're convincing them we're pushing it on them. We don't push it on anybody in the, in this building. We just honestly don't. Um, we have minors who parents, you know, want them to maybe have an abortion, and the minor gets in gets in here with their parents and say they don't want to do it. You know, that happens sometimes. But that's a part of reality, and, and nobody forces them and talks to them. We don't have any private conversations with the, the parent and the minors to try to help convince. We don't do any of that. We tell the parent we can't, she doesn't want to do it. That's her choice. It doesn't matter how old she is. She doesn't want to do it. I'm sorry. And that's that. But people don't get that because of what they hear out here. They think it's a whole diff- it's, They think it's totally different. So that's why I encourage people to come out. Well, now the law is in Mississippi that they have to come in, get counseled, and then come back in 48 hours? Is that 24 hours. 24 hours. Yep, we have a 24-hour waiting period here in the state of Mississippi um, where the patient has to come, get counseling, ultrasound, lab work done. Well, basically, the, the state law is just the counseling, but that's what they do. So we do, they do all of that on the first visit, and they, uh, there's a mandatory 24-hour waiting period before they can actually have the procedure done. What is the reason the state gives for that 24-hour mandatory waiting period? <laughs> the state doesn't have to give a reason for anything. They, do. they just do it. They just do it, and you you just comply with it. That's all. But mm-hmm. basically, I think it's it's supposedly to give a woman more in time. But that also means that if you but, travel from another part of the state, or yes. as you said, another a yeah. neighboring state, correct. That means you have to take more time off of work. Correct. Or Correct. It's, just a, it's another trap law. Whatever. It's another trap law they yeah. have. Um, they passed the 48-hour one, I think, in um, Louisiana. Um, Tennessee just uh, passed one. It's just basically to stop by time um, so that a patient can be too far mm-hmm. to where they can't have it done or, um, like you said, just inconvenience, basically, especially when, you, when you're the only clinic and people are traveling two, three, four hours to come for one visit and they have to go back and forth or they have to make accommodations like hotel rooms and stuff like that just to stay until the next day. And then we have our doctors that are not here locally, so if a patient comes on our doctor's last day, the patient can't come back for their actual procedure until the following week. You know, it's just inconvenience. It, that's what they pass these laws for, inconvenience purposes. Inconvenience purposes only. Because my thing is this. You're saying in 24 hours, that person can change their mind. The majority of people that I know as a woman, you you did all your thinking and all your decision making before you ever called and made an appointment. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, and then from the point, from the time you call and make the appointment to the time you get here, you have all of that time you, that you're, you've, you know, thought about what you want to do. So 24 hours is not going to make a big difference. What's child care like in Mississippi? Child care. Um, expensive. You can start right there. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive and it's so weird because the same people who are voting and who are passing these trap laws, these are some of the same people who are voting against um, these child care certificates and stuff that these um, lower income families have. Um, they're voting against that. They've they've cut a lot of that. I mean, it's like it's almost non-existent now compared to how it was before. You have a lot of women who were trying to go to school, and they were um, child. Uh, the the state had, was paying part of their child care. They they cut a lot of that out. They have completely cut that out. And these are the same people who are against abortion and against you know birth control 
No, we do birth. We, and then that's another thing they don't. They don't like the fact that we do birth control here. It's, it's, it's the, the same. It's, it's so amazing. The same people who are against abortion are, are against birth control. I don't. That that's like. I I just get no logic from that. <laughs> that's not even logical to me. But these are the they they don't believe in it. Like, you don't worry. These people are living in this bubble where they think if they eliminate anything sexual, then women won't have sex. And, you know, people won't have sex. I, I'm going to say people because, you know, men have sex too. Uh, but, yeah, so. If you're lucky. Yeah, I swear, yeah. So, but that's what this bubble they live in is like, that's not going to happen. You know, people have been having sex forever. And they're not going to start stop having sex. I mean, come on now. Seriously, sex? Come on now, that's like a. Re- they don't like to even, you know, that word is like, ugh, to them. But I'm like, it's a reality. They don't live in reality. You know, the reality is, you know, people get pregnant. People have unprotected sex. You don't have to be drunk to have unprotected sex. People just do it. Mm-hmm. it and it's not going to go away. The only difference between now and then is, you know, back then, back when I say back then, it's like before. I say, that's like before my time, I guess. Um, our parents and our grandparents, they just, they got pregnant and they got married and they had all these babies and stuff and they married this person just because they got pregnant, you know, and they, because that was the thing to do, that's how, that was the right thing to do. It's not right to marry somebody and you have to be with them for the rest of your life because you got pregnant by them because you had unprotected sex, but that's what they did. So when that changed... That's where I think the problem came in for people is that now these y'all are all just sinners. You know, you're just sinners. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? That's crazy. I'm sorry. Y'all not going to make people stop having sex. People love sex. Right. That's the reality of it. I'm sorry.